Superchargers, headlights, and more. With over 122 million parts, eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Stay on your A-game with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Today's episode of What Happened When is brought to you by SaveCade.com. And Tony, I think you have outdone yourself. Uh, If you're listening to this and you haven't checked out SaveCade.com, you need to. Not just because we'll be able to save some money, but this video is off the damn rails. It's S-A-V-E-C-A-D-E. Tony, how in the world did you come up with this? This is proof that you take drugs. Maybe used to. I don't know if I do anymore, but but I do need to say that when I bring up SaveCade, there's a shot of me that looks awfully fat on there. I don't know how that came about. Maybe it's the way I look, but... I do want to remind people that you can stop wrestling with debt, put your butt in the seat, fast and easy, no credit check to be a part of SaveCade.com, Conrad. Well, and what's funny is, you know, the site even says Mortal Kombat, all of your debt. No more hard way or easy way, brother. Uh, Maybe that old kitchen's got to go. Maybe you're desperately out of time to pay your house off faster. Well, we want to let you know that you don't need good luck and credit. Your credit doesn't have to look as good as the Z-Man did. And you can own a house with no money down, which is coincidentally how much money Evan Courageous true. You can make this fast and easy. It can even be the greatest night in the history of our great sport when you skip your next two house payments. And maybe you could even lower your monthly payments, which probably would have been helpful when WCW was taken over by Bill Watts and he cut your pay, right, Tony? Yes. You can cut years off your loan, consolidate your debt, stop making the minimum payments. Believe you me, that will get you behind. And get a greater tax deduction, Conrad. It's all part of SaveCade.com. And what I love about it is you can own your own home with no money down my favorite thing about the thing though is you fucking dancing and singing i'm not making this up tony shivani dances and sings you've got to see it even if you don't actually need a home loan or need to save money you've got to see tony singing and dancing at savecade.com that's s-a-v-e-c-a-d-e nmls number 65084 equal housing lender Had to seal off when things went bad. Sold a Turner and gave it to Jim. Heard things really went to the shitter. Goddamn Candyman. Welcome to the number one in professional wrestling, World Championship Wrestling. I'm David Crockett. With me is Tony Schiavone. Tony, we've got an exciting hour of World Championship Wrestling for you. We've got the greatest wrestlers in the world. Welcome to 
in the WHW Monday. Tony Schiavone and Conrad Thompson. Jim Crockett for Starcade, 605 NWA. TV title, Cajun Omni, the Bunkhouse Stampede. Flair and Horseman, Garvin, Bogey, Magnum, Dusty, Express Tag Team. Turner bought in Mid-South Joy World Championship Wrestling. Talking about the great years of World Championship Wrestling, the NWA and Jim Crockett Promotion. Tony and Friends North, they win. Look, Shivani's back again. World title split off center stage. Bischoff, Disney, Hogan, and Nitro. New World Order and the Crow. Thunder Russo, Arquette Champ, Vinnie Mac, simulcast. Tony's back with Conrad. Not your classy podcast. Watch a long try not to laugh. Lowest rules, cat back. This wasn't the initial plan. Tom Ziggs a good looking man. Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to What Happened When? Tony Schiavone. What's going on, man? How are you? Conrad Thompson, happy month of June to you, buddy. We, uh, wow, we're into another month here in 2018, and we're just as red hot as we can be, thanks to our uh, our listeners, our loyal listeners who, who joined us now each and every Wednesday. Uh, but for our loyal listeners on Patreon, you get us on Monday commercial free, and we appreciate everybody. Who's uh, who's a part of what happened when I could never imagine it'd be as hot as it is. Thanks to everybody, Conrad. Thanks to you. <laughs> well, man, thanks to the audience for supporting us the way they have. We had an overwhelming response on Patreon. Uh, a lot of people thought we were crazy when we had the four different levels and we had the low key big hog and Tony, it sold out almost immediately. Lots of people are digging what we're doing. We'd love to have your support as well over at patreon.com forward slash WHW Monday. Lots of behind the scenes stuff already up and Adam, of course, a little peek at Tony doing prep work for this week. You got to see Tony calling a baseball game, which is the real gig. And we rolled a little tape right before we taped this episode. We're going to continue to crank out this content every single week. So stay tuned, including more bonus shows. And uh, I think maybe the highlight of Patreon right now is probably your reaction video to the Enzo rap video. So you're going to watch the Enzo rap, have your reaction and post it quite the venture here. Um, how would you describe your relationship with rap music and hip hop culture, Tony? Uh, zero. Okay. Yeah. Although I do need to say this, uh, when I was working for another radio station in Atlanta, there was a hip hop station in our cluster yep. and a, a, a rap group. I don't know if it became a famous rap group or not. I don't know. I, and I guess I should. A rap group, about three guys came in and they saw me and one of them dropped down to one knee. And one of them went, Tony Schiavone, my God. And I said, get up, son. It's not that big a deal. So. Uh, even though I, I, I don't listen to rap music, it's not my type of music. I have nothing against it. I, as, as a matter of fact, there is actually some Eminem stuff that I f- f- thought was pretty darn entertaining. And some stuff by Outkast was too. But I don't listen to it, even though I, I don't. I, I think uh, wrestling has had some fans within the hip-hop community. You know, it's uh, just for a minute there, I thought you were about to freestyle 
when you said, get up, son. I thought that was like the hook on something. So, hey, what's your favorite Outcast song? Uh, I don't know. The one where the dogs were shaking their head back and forth. What was it? What was it on the video? That's probably Hey Ya. Yeah, Hey Ya. That's what it was. Yeah. You know, that's not what I was hoping for. I was hoping it was something like Rosa Parks or Miss Jackson or So Fresh and So Clean. But, you know, we'll go with Hey Ya. <laughs> hey, y'all's good. I'm not arguing that. Well, listen, yeah. you know what else is good? And that is LinkedIn. And and the reason I'm excited to talk about LinkedIn today is because LinkedIn, and I don't even know that you and I have talked about this before, Tony, they have helped my business grow for years and years and years. You see, a business is only as strong as its people and every single hire matters. So don't settle for posting and hoping the right person will find your role and apply. Instead, do what I do and choose LinkedIn. LinkedIn is the world's largest professional network, and it's also a better way to find great talent. And really think about this. I mean, how often do you check job boards? For most people, it's like a very occasional thing, but there is one place where you can go and check out professionals every day. It's LinkedIn. 70% of the workforce here in the United States is already on LinkedIn. So you've got 22 million professionals viewing and applying for jobs on LinkedIn every single week. And that's across every industry. There are hundreds of thousands of businesses who have posted to LinkedIn jobs over the past year, and they rate LinkedIn jobs 40% higher than job boards at delivering quality candidates just because that's where the candidates already are. Uh, LinkedIn is going to consider skills, experiences, location, and much, much more to match and promote your job to potential candidates. If you're not using LinkedIn for your hiring needs, you are missing out. We've got a special offer right now, don't we, Tony? Yes, we do, Conrad. Go to LinkedIn.com slash what happened when. That's LinkedIn.com slash what happened when. One word, what happened when. You get $50 credit towards your first job posts. How about that? Get your $50 credit today. Terms and conditions apply. I think you did that wrong. I think it's LinkedIn.com slash what happened when. I think that's what you're (laughs) supposed to do. Sorry, only you can do that. That, That's your gimmick, not mine. Well, let's get to uh, Lois's gimmick now. Are you ready? I'm ready to go, and let's bring Lois in. Lois, sweetheart, if you're ready. We're doing this on a weekend, so sometimes you never know what shape she's in on the weekend, but she looks pretty good today. Hi, honey. And here we go. Three, two, one. Lois rules. Uh, uh, The the hit play. Start again, Conrad. Sorry. Why, why, you're the worst button pusher ever. This is. <laughs> it's. I'm, you're, you're literally I'm, counting. I'm letting you count. <laughs> it's like three, two, one, play. I didn't do it. Well, you fucking. Okay. So- <laughs> <laughs> oh, leave this in. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here we go. Three, two, one. Give me a play. All right. Now it's rolling, and we see the American Dream, Dusty Rhodes, and Baby Doll coming to the ring. Uh, boy, Baby Doll was quite the star back then. Wouldn't you say that? I was four, so I can't speak to that. Okay. Well, then, did anybody tell you that she was quite the star back then? I have heard she was a big star, and Dusty Rhodes here. Man, this is the way, you know, when I go back and I watch tapes, I want to remember Dusty. You know, he's... Coming to the ring here in an ill-fitting t-shirt, kissing the camera on the way out. And he doesn't, I mean, the dude just exudes 
stardom. I mean, he exudes cool. And speaking of cool, here comes Ric Flair. What what building are they shooting this in right here? Spartanburg Memorial Auditorium. What's the very com- small venue that was close to Charlotte and was very good for our TV tapings back then. That's what I wanted to talk about is, you know, you look at this and this looks like a very small building, you know, like Ring of Honor runs much bigger buildings than this. And we've always heard that, you know, 1986 is probably Jim Crockett Promotions best year. But yet here, man, this is not a big building at all. What do you think the capacity here is? Oh, the capacity here may be 2,000 people, 3,000 people at the most. Uh, and and you're right. Uh, there, there There's Tommy Young uh, as the referee. And Flair said this is for the title. And they had well, David and I voice over this, and David was screaming, All right, here he is. And all his glory. Watch out, Tony. Here he goes. And then, dun, 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 dun. man, this intro music right here hits me right in the fields. World Championship Wrestling featuring the great stars of the NWA National Wrestling Alliance. That is ingrained in my brain. Holy shit. How about this jacket? That wouldn't fit around one of my legs right now. Motherfucker. You know, we've got so many people who love this show and they love making fun of David Crockett on commentary. How do you yeah. think David did here? I think he gets a bad rap. He gets a bad rap because uh David wasn't an announcer. He uh he didn't grow up wanting to be an announcer like I did. Didn't study uh radio TV film like I did. He was an owner of the company. And I think he gets a bad rap because look, he wasn't that good of an announcer. But as Dusty Rhodes used to always say, and fucking David Crockett is raw, buddy. When he calls matches, he's calling it from the heart because it's his business. He's getting it he over. It to work. He's getting What's it that? over. His yes. enthusiasm and understanding the angle and what we're trying to, he's trying to convey the emotion that he knows the storyline should be hitting. And, you know, who better to know where it's going than him? And I just think that he, he delivered it with a lot of passion. No, he maybe wasn't as polished, but I don't think that matters really. I mean, some of the best announced, like, I don't think Joe Rogan went to broadcast school. I could be wrong, but Joe Rogan is my favorite UFC commentator ever because he is a real fan of what he's watching. He has a real understanding of what they're doing because, you know, he's rolled around in jujitsu for years and years. And I just think Rogan adds a, a real, oh, here we go. Let me, let me let you take over here. Okay, here's what I like to say, uh, Tony Schiavone, uh, what I think. Uh, for most of us of being uh, from uh, up north of the border, uh, we talk, Ronnie Garvin, hands of stone. We talk uh, like uh, hockey players. Uh, but I'd like to say this, uh, Tully Blanchard, uh, I'm, uh, we got to settle this man-on-man, I think, well, one way or the other. Uh, and this is what's going to blow you away, Tully Blanchard. I'm one day I'm going to have the big gold belt. I'm going to be the world champion. And your snivelly ass is not. Think about that. They're going to put the strap on me. You talk about desperation? I think that's desperation. Let's go to the ring. Uh, And now the Rock and Roll Express. If you listen to this back, you'll think, boy, there was a long pause for announcers there. But they had to edit out the Rock and Roll Express music because back then we used music that was uh, unlicensed to us. Yeah, real music. Real music. So this is... That's... that's, did you notice Teddy Long catching I, a shirt there? Teddy Long the get, getting the jackets. Yep. <laughs> oh, <my dear. laughs> We've been spending too much time together. I knew what you were going to say. 
<laughs> this uh this studio wrestling is is really really a, a major part of wrestling you know through the 60s the 70s and particularly the 80s where i think most of us uh really experienced the boom in professional wrestling and, and i'm not watching here yet but even i know that studio wrestling was a really big deal and this particular studio tell us about it because we haven't really talked about it a ton here on what happened when uh, this is the uh, studio in the uh, what we call the mansion at Turner Broadcasting, the the old TBS, and I'm sure that studio is still there. I would think it is, even though they have they have certainly built onto it, you know, with studios for the NBA and and uh, it's it's not where CNN is. That's downtown, but it's along Techwood Drive, uh, and it was the old studio that they used to queue up out in front of. And if you go by Turner Broadcasting now, it's gated. Uh, and you really can't get in. And the way they've situated the roads, you can't drive by it like you used to. But if you still drive by there and slow down and look through the iron gates, you can still see the old mansion there, which was was kind of gave, you know, it, it was Ted Turner wanted that. It kind of gave it the southern feel because he was big into wrestling. He was big into the Braves and and he was big into gone with the wind at that time. So the old southern mansion, Techwood Drive, the studio. Okay. And now Jim Cornette and Big Bubba. And let me say this, Tony Giovanni, I was in the back just now, and I ate four Wendy's hamburgers, triples, all the way with onions, pickle, mayonnaise, and cheese. And right behind me is Big Bubba. And if I have to shit today, which I will have to shit, let me say, Big Bubba here is going to wipe my ass because I run the company. I am one of the best talkers in the business. I have more videotapes than anybody else. I do not put up with any bullshit. That's right. My gut right now is full of three Wendy's hamburgers. And before it's all over with Tony Schiavone, I will take a big shit and I might wipe my ass with my tie because that's what I want to do. I'm one of the greatest managers ever. Do you know that, Shivani? Take a look at your nose. Holy shit, are you fucking ugly. But let me also say this, that behind me, big Bubba Rogers, who we pulled out, we said, this guy, Ray Trailer, he looks pretty good. So just stand behind me and look like a big fucking goof. And by the way, we are going to, later on this year, climb up top at the Omni during Starcade on a scaffold, and I'm going to have big Bubba watch my back and catch me. That's right. If I fall off, Bubba will catch me. And I promise I won't add all of those Wendy's in my gut. Come on, Bubba, let's leave. You know, do you notice how my makeup was kind of shiny here? I needed someone to powder my nose. I thought there was a lot of people powdering their nose in the back. Hmm. (laughs) I, I, I don't know if there's anything I can say about this with the exception of look at these kids, huh? Even back then, the the love for Ric Flair, and Ric Flair was a full-fledged heel here. At least he tried to be, right? By the way, let me just say, and I know people are going to say this is sucking up. Ric Flair presents like a star right here. Yeah. I mean, the, the custom-fitted suit, the, the gold Rolex, the diamond pinky ring, the big hair, not one out of place, uh, the brand-new big gold belt, which had only been around for like four months. He looks like a star, you know, whether you, when you saw this guy in real life, you knew that dude did something cool. And not only that, Conrad, uh, just the look and the presence and the R of Ric Flair was tremendous, but go back sometimes, listen to this one and just listen to the Ric Flair interviews on this old set where I'm just holding the microphone. The best I, I, it's of all not time. an interview. I'm, hold, I'm holding the microphone. He 
was and, and Dusty's another one. There's going to be an interview with Dusty. Was just an absolute master oh. at being able to freestyle an interview. There was nothing like it. Jim Cornette was like that too. This Dusty interview on, on this show is is now in my top ten favorites. No question of all time. And I had seen it once before on on a YouTube clip, but I didn't know that it was on this show. And so once I sort of freestyled that this would be the show we were covering, I knew there were a few other notable things on here, but I didn't remember that promo. My God, what a promo. I mean, we're not doing this show real justice by talking over it. And I know a lot of you guys wanted us to cover JCP and we're happy to do it, but man, we're talking over some great stuff here and you've got to go back and hear it. Studio wrestling. You're not going to get a lot of ton, a ton of great matches, but this is when you guys were selling tickets, man. This is talking them in the seats. One Oh one. Is it not? Yeah. This was not about the wrestling at all. That's why we had job matches. They're going to, we're going to show Ric Flair and Dusty Rhodes a little bit here, but we're going to show it to build an angle, bringing back Ole to the Four Horsemen, which again, everybody asks me, my favorite Four Horsemen is always the one with Ole in it. Uh, but look at that. Look at the was, sign. <laughs> That's the early days of the sign out there. Girls, what's cause in all this? It's 1986 <laughs> and these dudes have signs. How, how awesome yeah, you, is that? I know. And, and you know, uh, uh, I guess if, uh, if this was a studio show today, they may have a lowest rule sign out there. Wouldn't you think? Well, only if they wanted to get a great shirt and a call from Tony Schiavone, or they had a low key big hog, <laughs> or if they were a fan of Tommy young, I can't say it like you can Tommy young suckers. Got to know that, uh, lowest rules.com was not around yeah, in 1986. There was no dot coms. No, there wasn't. Yeah, I mean, I don't even, at this point, I wonder if Flair even knew what a computer was. I don't know that he knows today, actually. <laughs> I'd like to see Flair on a computer. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Oh, God. Anyway, this was, a, and, and again, Dusty's in the back here now. Just let you behind the scenes. Dusty's in the back, and he is letting Flair go until he thinks it's time, and he'll tell the uh, director, Tommy Edwards, wrap him up. Check out that Rolex, Tony. I got things to do, Daddy. Woo! (laughs) And now here's the Raging Bull, Manny Fernandez. Hey, who's who's the referee here? Referee is Randy Pee Wee Anderson. You know, I was hoping you were going to say that because I had a debate with one of my friends this week, and I said that's Pee Wee Anderson. They're like, no, it's not. And I was like, yeah. They're like, no, Pee Wee Anderson ain't that Pee Wee Anderson. I was like, yeah, that's how time works. Look at Tony Schiavone then and now. Okay. Hey. Well, I mean, you look at me here and I'm four, so I'm considerably larger than when I was four. (laughs) Yeah, you are. Uh, Raging Bull Manny Fernandez was embroiled in this feud with uh, Jimmy the Boogie Woogie Man Valiant uh, and Paul Jones. And uh, Jimmy Valiant, uh, I think at this time, had the mask over him, called himself Charlie Brown or whatever, and... uh, and they were uh, uh, battling Paul Jones, who had the Barbarian, and also had a guy, and he's not going to be on this show, but they, they pulled this out, and I went, oh, my God, I forgot all about him. T. Joe Kahn was a member of Paul Jones's army back then. Uh, Baron Von Raschke was a member of Paul Jones's army back then. And, you know, just, just great talent, really. The um, Let's talk about the studio again. The flags Ooh. here, is this something that was up? I mean, was the ring and all the flags and all that, was that up sort of 24 seven in this space or would y'all set it up the day before or day of, uh, the ring would, would be taken down, but the flag stayed up and uh, those flags. If you go back to pre, uh, us doing the commentary, uh, 
then. Let me say, Tony Schiavone, that I may have a lot of heat with the boys. And I may have been at many times a guy who wouldn't tell the truth. But I got to tell you this. They gave me the move called the Flying Burrito. Do you think the Flying Burrito would work in 2018? I think not. As a matter of fact, every Flying Burrito I've seen, Dave Silva has eaten. But I have to say this, that I may have some heat, but I'm going to live longer than most of these motherfuckers here. Whoa, Tony Schiavone. Whoa, whoa, the boogeyman. Oh, I don't have a mask on, you stupid son of a bitch. And I thought you watched it. I love you, Raging Bull Manny Fernandez. Tony Schiavone, I love you. And I'll kiss you and slip your tongue here in just a minute. Paul Jones. Paul Jones. You cut my hair. And you cut part of this beard. And I am still alive this day, too. Many of the guys have died, and they say, the boogeyman is not going to last long, but I may be only 90 pounds if you see me at the autograph sessions around the world now, but I'm still alive. And Paul Jones, this angle is going to last forever. That's right. People are going to get tired of me going after Paul Jones because it's going to last about four or five years. And Paul Jones, before this is over, I'm going to cut your hair. I'm going to make you look like a bald-headed geek, brother. And also, I like to say that I'm the one that came up with Shivanto, not Hulk Hogan. He said Shivanto later. I said Shivanto. Yeah. And I got in my hand the scissors, and I got the clippers. And if Paul Jones runs for me, Tony, I'm going to cut your pubic hair. That's right. I'll use the scissors and cut around the pubic hair. There's Paul Jones. There he is, that bald-headed geek. But I'd like to say people have also been saying, Tony, that you have a button on the fur coat. Well, I'll say this. Tony, I love you. You know I love you. I'll say this. If they want to see the button, I'll cut off the fur coat. And Paul Jones, you'll be a bald-headed geek. All right. I'm going to get shaved a little bit later. You know, when Jimmy Valiant came out, uh, a lot of people would ask me, did you know when Jimmy would kiss you? I never knew it. He would just spring it on me. And uh, most of the times it was a gimmick kiss, but sometimes what? he kissed me. Really? Yeah, sometimes he actually smooched me. Did he ever take you out to dinner? Uh, no, he did not. But uh, Jimmy was uh, Jimmy's a good Jimmy. Was, I always thought Jimmy was like uh, just an old time hippie that, that got into wrestling. And, and, you know, if you go back and you see Jimmy Valiant, uh, uh, in earlier years, he was handsome, Jimmy Valiant. He was a very good-looking guy. Uh, and uh, he and Johnny Valiant, you know, of course, wrestled in the WWWF. And uh, and uh, then he became the boogeyman. And uh, and here is Dusty. Uh, and also, uh, something to tell you, Dusty and Jimmy, uh, the boogie-woogie-man Valiant, were very tight at one time. And then Jimmy Valiant kind of uh, went out of favor with Dusty. What happened? I asked Dusty about that. I said, you're not using Valiant as much as you used to. And because the boogeyman thing was over, I mean, and he's, and basically Dusty told me that Jimmy would go out and do what he wanted to do in the matches and wouldn't listen to anybody. In other words, he wanted to go out, uh, gouge him, you know, with a thumb in the eye, with a headlock and then do the elbow drop off the ropes and maybe do a two minute match or a three minute match. It would not go as long as Dusty had wanted. So he really fell out of favor with Dusty because of that. Uh, and, and Dusty did some angles, you know, with Boogie Woogie Man as his uh, partner. So uh, the life of a booker. Uh, 
as I'm watching this now, Ric Flair is getting in the ring. Ric Flair is going to tell Tommy Young, this is for the title. And it's something that we compl- – and I'm going back and I'm listening to it, Conrad. David and I completely missed this, and we should have picked it up. And I- I'm thinking that this is a case where we're not being produced as announcers. are not telling us what to say. We're standing there holding the, the, uh, the microphones. And now Ric Flair said, for this, for it's the title. And Tommy Young said, yeah, it's for the title. You sure? Yes, it's for the title. We completely missed this as announcers, and we should have said that. Right. That would have made maybe just a, this match mean a little bit more. And, of course, this ended up being an angle for Ole Anderson to return. And uh, we're also going to see a great Four Horsemen promo here as well. How, how, uh, and, how great is Dusty keeping Flair at bay whenever Flair starts to charge at him? All he does is just hold his elbow up and Flair stops dead in his tracks. <laughs> yeah. And then Dusty had such charisma and such timing with the fans. He was... Uh, Look, Dusty was was not in great shape as other wrestlers go, but man, they loved him. They absolutely loved him, and they believed him. I mean, they believed he was the American dream. They believed he was as tough as they come, the son of the plumber from Texas, all that stuff. And there's, I was listening to this commentary, and David was doing the play-by-play here, and David says, got him over. Watch him, Tony. Got him over. Takes him down. Oh, got him over. Watch him, Tony. Takes him down. Oh, that was that was David's commentary. It was great, man. I, I loved it. But also, and this is 1986, puts you into perspective here, right? Uh, I had just finished doing baseball. I had been doing baseball since 1981. Uh, Lois and I had been married five, count them, five years, and already had three, count them, three kids. And, uh, I, I thought my – if you go back and listen to this, damn, my voice was phony. Phony as shit. I mean, it was like, hi, welcome to World Championship Wrestling. Tony Schiavone and David Crockett. That I, was what we call a yucker. I'm Johnny DJ. Come down to the building this <laughs> Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. But, you know, what the fuck? It got me a job, right? <laughs> <laughs> Can I tell you my favorite radio announcer story ever? Yeah, I'm from a little town in, in Alabama called Gunnersville, and we had a couple of like really small radio stations and there was a little store downtown called fans and fans sold. It was like an old general store of sorts. They had a little, some clothing and I mean, just everything. And they had this old man on the air who was my, one of my very best friends, grandfather. And he would try to see if he could slip in something every now and again just for me and my buddy. And so we're in like high school, sophomores or juniors. And he's on the radio one morning and he says, be sure to go on down the fence this weekend where they got women's panties half off and steel coming down. <laughs> Contact Bill would love that. Would he not? Uh, women's yeah. panties half off and steel coming down. In, uh, in 1980, in 1980, which was the year I graduated uh, from college, uh, actually the fall of 79, I was working at a local radio station, and I did some announcing, but also ran the board. And we had this show called, uh, it was a college football scoreboard show called The Musical Scoreboard, and it was very popular. Had a couple of guys, and they played just college football fight songs underneath of them as they read down the scores. And of course, that's back before the internet, right? Right. So people tuned in to listen, check out the scores. 
and you would call in and say, uh, what's the score of uh, Alabama and, uh, and Georgia? And uh, there was this guy, Bill Wise, he was called Coach Wise, longtime announcer, had one time been the voice of the Wake Forest Demon Deacons. And he would say, oh, that's uh, Georgia 50, Alabama nothing, something like that. And uh, there was one guy called in one time, and he said, uh, give me the score of, uh, I don't know, Auburn and Samford. And Coach Wise gave him the score, and he said, give me another score. And right before he hung up, he said, oh, yeah, tell Coach Wise to suck my dick. <laughs> right on the air and and uh, bill wise i mean just didn't lose a step he said i i have no idea what he was saying there i think he was talking about his mother so so look at here the match is coming to a disqualification end tully blanchard arn anderson in the ring giving the business to dusty here comes Oli. man this is classic stuff here is it not yeah this is only coming back from an injury where he was uh, on the shelf for a little while. So have, having him coming back was a big deal. And this was a big surprise for, uh, you know, for Dusty Rhodes. Now, remember, they're coming out of, the, this is the year, wow, coming out of putting Dusty in that cage, breaking the leg, remember, of, of the gathering in Starcade in 85. So, again, the angle is, is again, pushed right towards Dusty. And, again, Dusty had some heat back then with the boys because they always thought that Dusty was the major part of the angles with the top heels, which he was, and it worked. It, it may have gone too long. I mean, I, I would agree that maybe they did some of it may have gone too long, but uh, here's Arn Anderson. And uh, again, uh, this kid, I always said, I said, you may say you're from Minnesota, but you open your mouth, you're from Rome, Georgia, buddy. And he was talking about here, I don't want to toot my own horn, one of my favorite ones, but toot, toot. He's going to say here, Arn Anderson was a tremendous interview. And uh, this was the horsemen coming back together again. Again, I know a lot of people like Wyndham. A lot of people like Luger. Obviously, when Paul Rome became a part of the horsemen, he went down the shitter. Uh, but this was the best incarnation of the four horsemen by far. And i tell you why it was. In a minute, you're going to see Ole Anderson do an interview and there was nobody in my mind, nobody in my mind, more believable on their interviews than Ole Anderson. Ole Anderson here is being referred to by Arn as The Rock. Right. Uh, this is, of course, years and years and years before Dwayne Johnson, but that was certainly the nickname. And what a famous promo this is. This is just moments after the attack on Dusty Rhodes that we just saw. And I think everybody remembers this promo. Because of the words that, that Ole is going to say. And then the little hands in the middle celebration. All time is Ole Anderson the most underrated promo. I mean, I feel like there's so many younger fans who don't really appreciate. Like everybody talks about how Arn Anderson was an underrated promo because it was an era of realism. But before Arn was doing it, Ole was doing it. Uh, underrated on a national level? No question. On a regional level, I think anybody who was uh, oh no, you, up and, in the you and Dick Bourne know, but I'm saying like yeah. people who grew up, you know, say the NWO fans, they probably don't have yeah. a lot of experience with this promo. You need to go watch this. This is one of the better promos of the year. Yeah, this is one of the better promos ever. On and it, it, it's it's funny that we would pick out this this actual episode. 
because we're going to see in this episode what made us what we were, the great promos from Ole Anderson, and you mentioned from the American Dream, Dusty Rhodes, as well. Ole said it's not going to be over till one of us is dead. And, and then they, they had to edit that thing out, basically, now on here, the network. Here's my question. Did one of us is dead and buried? It aired on JCP TV. They just clipped it out on the network version. That's right. Yes, yeah. it did. I mean, now look, we didn't give a shit. We we uh, we played copyrighted music, and uh, <laughs> we said it's going to be dead, and uh, we were just uh, you know. Uh, does JJ look like he's going to be fall asleep there? He shouldn't. By the way, JJ looks the exact same age today. Doesn't he? Yeah, I mean, it, the only difference is he wears glasses more often now. But otherwise, JJ has been fifty five since he was twenty five. <laughs> I would agree. And there's the four horsemen together. And Arn Anderson uh, there. Arn Anderson looks the same as he does now. Arn Anderson there, fun fact, 19 years old, looks 45. <laughs> All right. So there it was. And we come back to Arn Anderson to put uh, a stamp on this interview. Uh, listen, this is uh, these this promo, these years, uh, starting with really 85. 86, 87. That's made the horsemen what they were, man. I love that song, man. Seriously, I love that song. I know we were kidding. Arn Anderson here is 27 years old. 27? Isn't that crazy? All right. All right, Tony. So uh, we just heard from Arn Anderson uh, and and uh, the, the Russians now. We're going to talk about Magnum TA, who has been stripped of the U.S. title. And we put Bob Geigel, an old ball-headed motherfucker from uh, Kansas in there. We said, you be the president of the NWA because nobody else wants it. Bob, will you come and do angle with us? And, 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 okay, uh, David, let me talk here. And, 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 uh, uh, and, okay. <laughs> yeah, I got, I got it, David. Uh, anyway, uh, we're going to show you that Bob Geigel, uh, uh, was, uh, reprimanding Magnum TA and here's what happened. So we recorded this in Kansas City, by the way, uh, and there's Rick Stewart, who did a couple of shows with me, who was the announcer for uh, Central States Wrestling back then. Bob Geigel, who's, and we always laughed about this, his glasses never fit his big head. Never knew why, but they could never get him down over his ears. Never get him down. Uh, I like this cutaway shot they're going to, uh, they're going to give uh, to Magnum uh, TA here in a minute. And Magnum was a stone cold man, big time, baby face matinee idol. See, there's the cutaway shot. Uh, and you'll also know, uh, you'll you'll see here when uh, Bob Geigel gets in his face, Magnum <laughs> TA is going to hit him. And God, what are you laughing about? That cutaway shot was just not even remotely this fucking <laughs> same. Like everything this. about that's wrong. It's just hilariously bad. And you know what's what's hilarious about it is that everything they did in Central States Wrestling was a one-camera shoot. So that was us. I think we sent Wayne Daniel there to do this. And so Wayne said, we got to have a second shot. So stand over here, Magnum, and shake your head and look. And uh, that's exactly what happened. So Bob Geigel gets to his face. He says, a United States champion is expected to keep himself in good conduct at all times. Let that be noted. And he hit the motherfucker. Wow. So there, and see how David's smiling? David's the fan, like us, right? David's saying, hit the motherfucker. Uh, so David's reactions, I thought, were priceless. They were absolutely priceless. And I also like to say my hair looked fucking great there, didn't it? Yeah, I mean, I this, mean is, this is back when you were bathing on a regular basis. Long, long, long time ago. 
Now I'm, look at Bob Geigel. Look through these Coke bottle glasses here, man. Fucking Mr. Magoo. <laughs> yes, it is. Or it's it's Uncle Festus, one of the two. I don't know, but it, I'm serious. Yeah, you yeah. slap a pair of glasses on Mr. Magoo and this fucking Bob Geigel. <laughs> Uh, Bob Geigel was a good guy. Uh, I had, uh, I had dinner and lunch with him a couple of times. Uh, but in a public set, look at them eyes in a public setting, he really didn't have much to say. So now they, they strip Magnum TA of the United States heavyweight championship here, which leads to an angle that during the great American bash, which I had initially forgotten. And then, uh, my memory was jogged. The, uh, the very uh, last year one time, which led to the best of seven for the vacated United States Heavyweight Championship, which was pretty damn cool. And now I'm talking to Nikita Koloff, and Nikita's saying, here I am, I shave my head, I disown my family, I am going to really change my name to Ivan Koloff, and then years later, I'm going to become a preacher and grow my hair back. The Simpson family back in Golden, Minnesota, they have disowned me, but I don't care. I've become a big star, and I don't bathe that much either, right, Uncle Ivan? But let me say that I do make a little bit of money with the Crockett family, but my money's going to be made in Amway. Amway, as Jim Crockett Promotions, head of uh, Jim Crockett Promotions, I'm Jim Crockett Jr. Don't talk about Amway. We're talking about pro wrestling here, and here's what we're going to do. I don't know where the camera is. Uh, but I'm going to tell you that we are going to have a best of seven, four out of seven tournament for the U.S. heavyweight title. And Ivan, stop talking about Amway. We don't care you're selling Amway. I always thought it was a pyramid scheme. I know it's not, but you need to talk about professional wrestling when you're here on the set. And that's all I got to say. Well, let me say that Amway does make great hair products. I don't use the hair products. I don't use the shampoo. I don't use the conditioner, but I do use a nice oil on my ball head to help uh, heal the scars from the many different blade jobs that I've done. And I also want to say this, that as we go along here, I am really from Canada and I'm really a nice guy. And if you got to know me in person, you would say, I can't believe he actually comes across as a Russian bear. That's all I have to say. And as Ben Von Reschke would say, that's all the people need to know. By the way, by Amway. Thank you. You know, this whole time I had no idea that he was in Amway. I just learned he something. was in Amway and Paul Jones was in Amway and cowboy Ron Bass was, they were all big in Amway. You know, my, uh, my grandfather was double diamond in Amway. How about that? Well, uh, what did double diamond mean? mean I don't the know. Top of the list. Apparently it means he's a big shit. They would like fly him all over the country to speak to people and whatnot. Wow. Then that means, you know, they, uh, I've used some of their products. I love their products to be honest with you. It's, that's not a gimmick, but, uh, you apparently can make some money in Amway. This is not a commercial for Amway, by the way. Yeah. I don't even really know what Amway is. You know, that all happened with my, my fam jam long before I was four years old. Yeah. All right. Now Tully and Arn, the horseman, uh, you know, you, you, you talked about Ole Anderson being a very underrated promo. Right. I think Tully Blanchard was a very underrated worker. I think he was one of the great workers that we had. And that's because he was a great athlete. You know, former quarterback, as we always talked about, from, I believe, West Texas State. Uh, he was just a great athlete. And, oh, man, spine. There's nothing like that Arn Anderson spine buster, buddy. Woo! 
but uh, I, I thought oh, I think Tully is is a very underrated worker. Oh, I don't think anybody disagrees with that. One of the all-time yeah. greats for sure. And that's worth mentioning. Uh, he'll be available for photo ops and he's going to do a little war games retrospective with JJ Dillon, Lex Luger and road war animal at Starcast. Congratulations uh, f- uh, to you for getting Tully to do that. That's quite a coup. That is quite a coup. Uh, who is going to be uh, beside JJ to, to keep him awake? Uh, that Mitch and R- that Mitchett rich Botini or Bokini. Yeah. We'll try to keep him awake. I don't know who can keep up with, with rich Bokini. You know, we were making fun of uh Crockett's commentary earlier. I was like, well, it could be worse. It could be fucking rich Bokini. Hmm. Well, we, we would have had rich Bokini, but we wouldn't have been able to see him over the dais there. How great is this? Tell us what's going on yeah. here. Uh, this is the a promo of the great American bash, uh, paratrooper. And you see the shot. This shot is from Charlotte, North Carolina. And the first Great American Bash at Old Memorial Stadium. Uh, Ricky Morton and uh, Ric Flair, I believe, wrestled in that one. Uh, and uh, Or maybe it would come up. But we took the Great American Bash now, starting in, in July. We took the Great American Bash all around. Uh, we took the bash to Philadelphia. We took it to RFK, Philadelphia Veterans Stadium, RFK. Uh, we took it to Jacksonville at the Gator Bowl. We took it to the Orange Bowl in Miami. Uh, we took it to Fulton County Stadium in Atlanta. We went to the Greensboro Coliseum and indoors. Uh, we went to Memphis and the Liberty Bowl. And I went on. I went the entire tour. I went the entire tour uh, and did some ring announcing. And I want to tell you, it's it's one of the most memorable summers of my life. And also, I got a chance to talk to Waylon Jennings. They took me to Nashville and had a chance to talk to Waylon Jennings. And, and Waylon was very, very good. He was very entertaining, very gracious. But he really got pissed off at us, uh, during the great American bash. Why? Because it, well, it's, it was in his, I look kind of fat here. Don't you think? I think it's the beginning of what I am right now. Got that roll, that belly roll and a fat guy should never wear horizontal lines. Conrad, keep that in mind. Um, but there anyway, so here's a story about Waylon Jennings. He was very pissed off at us because as we're discussing here, And he's talking about, oh, I've been in some stadiums where I think me and the band uh, outnumbered the fans. And uh, sometimes my voice would ring around in the stadium uh, and uh, and no one was there. Well, he thought and we made it seem like that we were going to sell out every place. And we did have some big crowds. But Memphis, Tennessee, no. Jacksonville, Florida, the Gator Bowl, no. Uh, Miami and the Orange Bowl, no. Big crowds, but sellouts, no. So he was upset that he thought, and I guess he got paid. I don't know if he got paid on based on gate receipts or got a flat fee or what. But he thought everything would be a sellout. And we were in Jacksonville, the Gator Bowl, and you heard thunder rumble in the back. And he's he got up on stage for like maybe 10 minutes. And he said, well... Sounds like there's a thunderstorm getting ready to hit us. So we're going to get out of here so we don't get wet. And that was it. He left and it never rained. Uh, and so uh, I thought Whaley was a cool motherfucker, but he was really upset with world championship wrestling during the summer of 1986. He was upset because of thunder. He was up. No, no. He was upset because there was nobody at the Gator Bowl that day. 
Well, but here's my thing. I mean, it's been written that, and I, I don't know exactly what his deal is, but that, you know, listen, let's just say it like it is. Dusty had overspent. And because Dusty overspent, the, they couldn't sustain it. And, the, you know, they just spent more than they were bringing in. So the idea there is he probably got a cut, like, like not a cut, but like a flat fee, not a percentage. And if that's the case, then I don't know what he'd be upset about. Like you're not spending too much if everyone's being paid commensurate to what ticket sales are, is what I'm saying. Well, you know, I, I, I look, put it this way. He's like any other uh, entertainer uh, that you do much better with a full house, I sure. would think, yeah. than, than you do with just a couple of butts in the seats. Uh, so I uh, I, I think he was uh, – we also had George Jones. <laughs> you know, here's, uh, Delbert. The, here's the thing, too. He's yeah. mad at WCW or NWA or Jim Crockett Promotions, whoever he's mad at. He's mad that his name on the marquee didn't draw more people. Right. I mean, isn't that he a little Jesse, silly? Yeah. He and Jesse Coulter. Uh, you know, we went to uh, we went to Memphis at the Liberty Bowl. Right. And I'm telling you, Conrad, if we drew 100 people, I would be surprised. Oh, shit. Really? Oh, it was but, it was brutal. Those people were it just was, super loyal to, to Lawler and Jarrett and all that, right? Yeah, and I also had heard, and, and fans may know this watching the show, I also heard that uh, – that because we were there, that Lawler and Jarrett ran a free show that day. Oh, I'm sure. To go up against us. Look at this shit. You know, I, I thought I thought that Nicola Roberts, and she had Sam Houston's hat on right there because her and Sam were a thing. Uh, I thought she was as sexy as any woman I'd ever seen. She was. She was. She was. She. Uh, now, here's this interview, and I'm telling you. The interview, As you like said, top 10 all time, probably for me now. Yeah, I know. And you know, I like it better than the hard times interview, which is what he's known for. No, I, guess, I, right? I, I agree. I mean, that hard times is his spilt liquor, but this one here, man, something else. Yeah. Talk us through it. Not everybody's watching when we are. Well, uh, he's talking about if you're black, green, yellow, and never mattered to the American dream. He's always went on television and said, I believe one way. I believe the other. He's a bigger than life. He's a redneck. He's nothing more than Ole Anderson laid up in Wisconsin. So he gets into Ole Anderson and starts talking about Ole here. And they're starting an angle between he and Ole Anderson, of course, or he and the horseman here. But he's also talking about dusty roads through the years and he's talking about doesn't matter what color you are you've always believed in the american dream dusty roads you've always watched me on television and he kind of brought everything together he kind of make you he would you would watch this interview and i know people watch this interview and i know it didn't matter he t he always talked about when he would say it doesn't matter what color you are red it was always put green in there red green black white it didn't matter he would draw those people in man he would make them listen, and they would say, "Fuck yeah, hell yeah! That motherfucker may be a may be big and fat, but he's just like me. He's just like me, and that's what made Dusty Rhodes and his interviews magical." He said, "I'm going to go over here and tell this kid because what color he is, there's not an American dream that you can't reach out in life like Dusty Rhodes did on television at the end of a lightning bolt." Now he got into his cliches, end of a lightning bolt. Offer up my innocence was another thing that he would say. 
And he would just throw those cliches together. And nurturing my wounds was another cliche. Uh, and he would throw those together and people would go, fuck, man. That guy was tremendous. Please, everybody, go back and make note of this time and watch this interview again. It's something else, watch man. It. Yeah, watch it a couple of times. This interview, I'm telling you, this interview rings true for pro wrestling. And I want to tell you right now, this interview rings true for life. Leave no stone unturned. Leave no rock not thrown. No glass broken. I mean, just. Uh, and he did this in the studio earlier in the day before they let the people in. And now we're going to see the debut of Todd Champion. <sighs> I loved when he, my favorite part of the whole promo is when he's talking about, you know, it, it, it was always supposed to be me and you. And if it's anybody, I'm glad it's you talking about Ole Anderson. That's good stuff, right. man. Yeah. It's worth it. And uh, for you old school guys out there who say it's not what it used to be. Wrestling's not what it used to be. Yeah, you're right. And there's a perfect example because you don't have things like that anymore. Again, these matches meant nothing. They meant nothing. They were job matches. We did a little bit, try to put over Todd Champion. He played football at Utah. He was a real strong kid. And, and Nikita gave him a little bit, as you can see. He, he would uh, he push back. And, but uh, it, these, these things meant nothing. Just enhancement. And guess what? Enhancement matches back then worked. Oh, of course. They they could work Drew now. numbers. They could work now. You're trying yeah, to yeah, get a, right. trying to get a guy over and trying to show what he's capable of and you know, show off some of his uh his hot moves and what's his finish and all that stuff. Yeah. T tell me where do you think it all changed over? Oh, of course you were very well, young then. Monday Night Raw, you know, when Monday Night Raw came and then Nitro came, it became a situation where you guys didn't feel like you could show as many enhancement matches. You know, you still had a lot of enhancement matches on raw, but then you'd have like one, you know, competitive main event. And then nitro came along and before you know it, everything had to be, you know, names against each other. Right. There, there's something else. There's, there's another element here that I wanted to talk about, uh, because this is the year before Jim Ross arrived. And when Jim Ross started doing the broadcast with us, uh, Jim was always a big proponent of less enhancement matches and more main event type matches to get the fans to watch. Because Jim, you know, went out and went to television stations and talked to television. Uh, and this is before World Championship Wrestling. You know, he went out and, and got these stations for Bill Watts. So he was a big proponent of that. And he always pushed for it. And I don't know how much influence he had with Jimmy Crockett back then, maybe none. But I remember talking to Jr. and Jr. said, "Man, these these enhancement matches are not doing us any good at all." So he believed in that before it's time. So maybe if you start watching uh, the later editions of WCW World Championship Wrestling, you'll see more and more real matches than just enhancement matches. And I don't know how much of an impact he had, but I do know he was a he was really big into that and he really was very vocal about it when he first arrived and that's my thought on that there's this russian sickle I don't that know. russian sickle was tremendous of course he didn't put it on too well because he's he's working with a lug here but 
that was one of the most – I mean, Nikita Kolov was a fucking super heel. Look at those traps. Good God. No, I mean, look, he's he could have been the original Goldberg. Yeah. No question. And now with Tully Blanchard. Here's another thing. Tully Blanchard, you know uh, – uh, <laughs> Click, click, click. There with the TVs. It's JJ Dillon. Okay. Rich Bikini, right now, we thought we'd have Rich here, but you wouldn't be able to see Rich in this camera shot. Just maybe the top of his head. So I thought, do I want to do a podcast? Yes, I do want to do a podcast. And I'm going to talk about the old days of Jim Crockett Promotions. I'm going to talk about, uh, where was I? Tony, you got any Prevagen? You know, they have the... Uh, they have that stuff from jellyfish, and it helps old people in their brain. And if you got any, help me out because I forgot where I was. Oh, yeah. Okay, so I'm working in, down in Florida. Wait a minute. No. I'm working at World Class Wrestling. Right. Totally. I'm working at World Class. No. Wait a minute. I go to work for Vern Gagne. Hold on. Uh, what's my name? Whoa. When you get old, man, and you have early onset dementia like I got, the only thing you can do is go and do a – podcasts and lull people to sleep like I am like I am and the only reason I'm out here is well then I was down in Florida no I went to Pensacola I went to that territory no 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 I worked for Jared a little bit no what was I fucking talking about what you were talking about JJ is world championship wrestling and I'm the national heavyweight champion sure I'm a little difficult to deal with but here's the rub. My daughter, Tessa, is going to end up being one of the big stars in women's wrestling. And right now, we don't even allow women in the ring here. No, we don't. Maybe we'll bring in Misty Blue and her porn stars hmm. now and then to become wrestlers. But no, we're not going to allow women's wrestling because here in 1986, we're over that. We're sexist. We're the four horsemen. No women's wrestling. But once my daughter grows up and is raised by Magnum T.A., that's right. There's the kicker for you. Is raised by Magnum TA. She's going to become a big star. And the only thing I got to say is that praise the Lord. We're going to hand out the collection plate and I'm going to save you before this year is over. JJ, if you'll wake up, if you'll grab Rich Bikini underneath this uh, dais here, we'll bring him with us. And the fact is, is that next time we end up coming back here, that's right. We're going to Pass the collection plate, Tully. All right, there's Reverend Tully Blanchard and J.J. Dillon. Isn't that a, a weird story? Uh, you know, I talked to Tessa. She calls Magnum T.A. dad because he raised her. And Tully and Magnum had one of the great feuds of all time. It's out of the a movie. It's out of a movie, and I can't wait until they tell that story when she's a part of WWE. Can you imagine the video packages they'll be able to put together? Wow. It'll because be, they, be unbelievable. Yeah, because they uh, they uh, use real life now, the WWE, uh, and make that part of an angle, or they can't, or make that they just they they just need content. Uh, you know, first thing I noticed, Magnum TA was so good looking, had such a great rap. He looked right into the camera. He captivated you with his eyes by looking at the camera. But I couldn't get over the gig because scar. he was so old school. Yeah, the gig marks. I That's mean, something. it's crazy. It's the first, when we watched it in my house, it was the first thing I said, I said, look at this gig, Mark. I mean, yeah. and by the way, that shirt right there, I'm going to need you to wear that 
to one of our live shows. The Harley Davidson Eagle shirt? Yeah, I need that. Okay. Let me see if I can get on uh, eBay. I mean, I need you to wear it, and I need it to be like his size, so you'll be, you'll look like a busted can of biscuits in it. It'll be awesome. <laughs> busted can of biscuits. Yeah. That could be a new shirt. <laughs> Over at LoisRules.com. I stole that from Casio Kid, by the way. Well, Holy shit, I found the shirt. You did? Yeah, we're not getting it, though. It's $499. You know what? Uh, Terry and I still talk. Maybe he's got it. He'll let me use it. I can't believe I found that. I mean, I don't well, want it. What, I don't want it that bad. Is it is a Harley Davidson shirt or is it a Magnum TA shirt? It's a Harley Boy, Davidson shirt, the one I found, and it's a size XL, so you would look fantastic in it. I would look like a busted can of biscuits. It's a good line, <laughs> is it not? I love it. <laughs> I stole that straight from Casio. Good. Keep stealing shit from him, man. By the way, he's going to be a part of uh, Botchamania with you and Ron Funches at Starcast. Have you watched any Botchamania before? Yeah, I, I started watching some of it. So Matthew, it's very well done. Matthew is going to create our own custom, never before seen, hour long greatest hits version. Oh, by the way, how about how about what's going on right here? Just, can you describe what's happening right here? Okay, uh, Pistol Pez Watley, or as he liked to call himself Shaska, and I'll tell you the backstory behind that, has a lock of Jimmy Valiant's hair that he puts in his hat. And the Barbarian and Paul Jones with the riding crop trying to look like Hitler here uh, are in the ring in this tag team match. And, of course, this is to further the uh, the Paul Jones-Jimmy Valiant angle, which went on forever. Uh, and here is one of the biggest meatheads of all time, Gary Sabal, Gary Cortinelli, the Italian stallion. Anybody ever knew him? He was a likable guy. But, man, if there was ever... Uh, if you've ever looked at, as the old cliche goes, look in the dictionary, the word meathead, and you'll see his picture. Good God. Uh, we got Paul Jones, uh, talking a little box here with his riding crop. Paul, of course, just recently passed away. Here's a story about, uh, Shaska Watley. Uh, and this is how stupid we were. Uh, and <laughs> Pez was a good guy, but he turned on Jimmy Valiant because there was a promo that Jimmy Valiant said he and uh, and I think I was holding the microphone uh, where he said, uh, Pistol Pez Watley is the greatest black athlete out there. And when he said the word black, Pez got pissed off and nailed Jimmy Vine and walked off. So he became, instead of Pistol Pez Watley, he became Shaska Watley. But it was a mispronunciation of what he intended. He intended to be like... Uh, the Zulu King, Shaka, whatever, Shaka, the Zulu King. Yeah. Shaka Instead Zulu. of calling himself Shaka, he called himself Shaska and it stuck. <laughs> so Shaska. He, so he, he was supposed to be like Shaka, like Shaka Zulu. Shaka Zulu. Right. But he's Shaska. He's Shaska. Wow. And I would tell Pez, I said, you know, uh, Shaka Zulu and Shaska are kind of two different things. And he said, well, I'm, I'm different than Shaka Zulu. I said, yeah, you certainly are, buddy. And so that was it. That's where he came up with Shaska from. Did you ever imagine uh, when you started listening to this episode today that we were going to talk about Shaka Zulu? <laughs> yeah. When I saw, when I saw Shaska, I thought I got to tell that story. <laughs> Shaska. Oh boy. 
Uh, we're going to see, of course, a, a little uh, incident here where they come in and they cut uh, Shaska's hair. Uh, how fucking uh, jacked up and uh, tough does the barbarian look here, too, man? Dude, I mean, I feel bad for Tommy Young here, if I'm honest with you. <laughs> Motherfucker had no choice. No. Come jack me off. You better, because he'd come over and grab you. And uh, there's our picture of Paul Jones, the ball-headed geek once again. And uh, uh, just, a good, just good shit. I mean, look, this show was – think about it, how many angles this show had in it. Right. That, that, you know, I know that uh, a lot of people think that we're, so, we're sort of random with the way we pick shows every now and again. But this one is jam-packed, dude. I mean, you're trying to build the great American bash and you've got Ole Anderson coming back. It's just, you know, people getting their hair cut. It's one angle after another on this one. Ole Anderson coming back, the Paul Jones, Jimmy Valiant angle. Some people shit on it. Some people liked it. I thought it was very good. Uh, I thought it went too long. Uh, you also had the Magnum TA Russian uh, nightmare Nikita Koloff angle in the best of seven on this. We're going to see the James boys come out or the James gang. I don't know what, I can't remember which one it was, which were, were Dusty and Magnum in a mask come back out. We're going to see a Wahoo McDaniel, Jimmy Garvin angle still to cut. There were just so much and they were promoting the great American bash and they did these angles. I thought they did these angles such justice that when you went to the great American bash, you saw everything. Yeah. You saw all these angles. And that's why there were some bashes like for instance, Greensboro, they sold out. Charlotte, the stadium, they sold out. Uh, Atlanta Fulton County Stadium, they had a big, big crowd. This was a time where uh, Dusty beat Ric Flair at the end of this Great American Bash in Greensboro and turned around and Rick beat him in Fulton County Stadium to win the title back at the end of the Great American Bash. If any of our fans were watching it back then, you'll remember that. So, uh, uh, yeah, loved wrestling back then. And, and this, Conrad, I, I got to say that uh, as we get the one, two, three here and we're going to see the angle, uh, I, I got to say that watching this really put a smile on my face. Here comes the Rachel Bull, Manny Fernandez, and then here comes Jimmy the Boogie Woogie Man Valiant in the ring. Uh, but this brought a smile to my face. Sometimes we watch Nitros and I go, eh, or eh, God, we did that, eh. But I smiled during the entire hour and 45 minutes to two hours, whatever it took to watch this show. Had a smile on my face. Brought back some great, very fond memories. Thank you for that. You're welcome, sir. <laughs> because, you know, sometimes I got so much going on in my life that I just don't pause and enjoy my life. And <laughs> <sighs> Thank you. Does um, Jimmy Valiant's tights, uh, do they on the back read Chewbacca? <laughs> I, probably so <laughs> oh god probably so uh now they're good they see they would just come to the set right afterwards man they would do an angle and they would they would come to the set and here is one of the baddest ass motherfuckers ever have you heard the story about when he walked between two towns uh just to get a case of beer or something have you heard that story no it's a legendary story in Oklahoma when he was in college uh, that uh, they didn't sell beer in this one county or something. So he walked like 50, 60 miles to get a case of beer and walk back on a dare or something like that. You may have, there may be uh, some fans out there that know this legendary story, but I had often heard it that that's what the type of guy he was. He was just as tough as they come. Uh, 
And, of course, I, I thought it was a very good angle because he was a tough, legitimate guy. And gorgeous Jimmy Garvin had all the glitter. He had precious. And, you know, she fluffed up his hair, and he was kind of prissy. And she always sprayed the uh, uh, the perfume or whatever it was. Hairspray. Uh, the hairspray and, and whatever. And so I thought it was a very good angle. Uh, and here's another cool thing about what's going to happen here. Wahoo's going to go to the ring, and there's going to be these guys dressed up like Ric Flair. We saw them earlier, right? They are all with ties and yep. suits and Ric Flair signs. He is going to give them just absolute shit during the entire match. And they love it. Yes, they do. But, I mean, he was like, man, he was like, he was like cussing their ass out. Uh, and it was actually kind of funny. Uh, uh, we didn't really pick up, pick it up on the air. You go back, you listen to it. You're not going to hear what he says, but he's starting right there. You see that? You know what I realized when I watched this this week, you know how we've joked before that Samoa Joe is the only Samoan and that's not related to the rock. There's like the rock and Yokozuna and wild Samoan and Afa and seek. And all those are somehow related, you know, the right. Usos and Rikishi and what, and then there's Samoa Joe. Yeah. Pretty sure Wahoo McDaniel Smojo's dad. <laughs> Got the same kind of nose. Well, I'm just saying he's a big, thick motherfucker chopping mm -hmm. people to death, taking, right. no, I mean, taking no prisoners, kicking ass old yep. school. I mean, look, that's, that's Wahoo Joe right there. Hey, Wahoo used to have this and we all laughed about it and gave him a hard time about it. Wahoo, you know, colored his hair. I mean, look how no. jet black this hair is, right? No, really. <laughs> but he had a spray, he had a spray black that he sprayed on the top of it, <laughs> and would cover up his bald spot with that black stuff. You know, there's so, a, there's a rumor that one of our listeners who's on TV pretty regularly that he may actually use a little spray on top. Really? Yeah. Are you going to divulge his name? No, not on air. Okay. Come on, we give everybody shit. We make fun of every. Okay, we. This might actually be a sensitive spot for someone though, and he's a friend of ours, so I'm not going to shit on him on something. He's mm. like, if I know there's a real sensitive spot, I won't pick at it. Right. No, I won't. You know, we're talking about <laughs> Lois being a drunk. She's not really a drunk. No, she's not. And JJ Dillon's, you know, podcast doesn't really put you to sleep. Nope. But you know, uh, thanks to Big Booty Judy. Lois ordered some moonshine uh, in these mason jars Man, came that, to the house. That big booty Judy is a bad influence. Yeah, and Lois, I say this, she's not a drunk, but she got a, a box of six mason jars of moonshine. It didn't last long. She did knocked out all long. six bottles? She knocked them all down. She sure did. And I thought at least, man, I would come home one night and she had been in the moonshine and, you know, I would <clears throat> get lucky. Not so but much. But nope. Yeah. Nope, nope, nope. Because she drank so much a couple of nights that she just kind of fell asleep. Well, I mean, what's wrong with that? <laughs> <laughs> what? Oh, as Lois said, Tony slept through birth. I slept through conception. Oh, my uh, God. She she tells that joke all the time. That is such a great line. <laughs> Don't you think? Yeah, I do. Yeah, that's that's one of her lines. Because when Chris was born, it took all night and I kept falling asleep. And so she said, yeah, he slept through birth. I slept through conception. 
So doesn't say a lot about you, but it's a great line. Notice how Wahoo, when he puts him in the backbreaker, which is going to be the finish, and he put the he did that like so he could talk to those people on the front row. Now he rolls out and says something to it, and Wahoo was like, "Fuck all you guys, fuck you, fuck you," and they're all laughing. Uh, love Wahoo, man. Absolutely loved him, and because I was a big fan of his growing up, it was such a treat for me to be able to work with him too. All right. You can't get enough of Jim Cornette once. You're going to get enough of Jim Cornette again. Okay. I just finished shitting Tony Schiavone, and I want to let you know it was a long, greasy turd. It came out my ass, and I had a towel, so I did wipe my ass. I'm going to go back to Wendy's and get three more triple cheeses with mayonnaise and lettuce and tomato and mayonnaise. I know Bruce Pritchard knows more about it, as he would say, Goddamn, motherfucker, or something like that. Uh, but I got Big Bubba here with me, and people don't really know how big and wide my ass is underneath this dais. Come on, Bubba, let's go to the ring because we're going to have the Midnight Express come out. And you know what, Conrad? I, I, I really forgot how much I really like Dennis Condry as a wrestler until I watched this again. You know, I don't know that we've talked about this before, but here's a little uh, fun fact for you. Bobby Eaton, of course, a Huntsville native, graduated from Lee High School here in town. But, uh, even now Dennis Condry lives, I don't know, like a mile from my parents off the same street as my parents. Really? How about that? I I didn't realize that until a few years ago when he got put into the hall of heroes at the NWA legends fan fest in Charlotte, North Carolina, I was seated one table behind him, but I didn't know that was him because he was wearing like a, you know, blue jeans and a denim shirt and an Alabama cap. So I couldn't really, and I'm sitting behind him, so I can't see his face or anything like that. Well, when he gets up to accept his award, he turns around and we like lock eyes for a minute. And I thought, well, that was weird. That looked like Dennis Condry. And then he goes on stage and I'm like, holy shit, I've been sitting by Dennis Condry this whole time. So anyway, at the end of the dinner, he stands up and when he uh, like scoots his chair under and turns around and says, Hey, Hey, it's Conrad Thompson. And I just looked at him (laughs) like, what the fuck? And he's like, Hey man, I live off of a duck. I won't say the road. So he tells me and I'm like, Holy cow. My parents live there. So that entire time I'd been advertising my mortgage company here in Huntsville, I would start all of my ads the same way I do the shows here. Hey, Hey, it's Conrad Thompson. And when he hit me with that, I'm like, I can't believe this is real. He's like, yeah, my wife spotted you. We see you on TV every morning, blah, 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 blah. So who knew? And he told me exactly where he lives and he lives literally less than one mile from where my parents live. And I had no idea that two of, uh, I guess the two most iconic members of the midnight express have Huntsville ties, small world. Yeah, it is a small world. And, uh, again, Dennis Condry, uh, no disrespect to Stan Lane, but to me, Dennis Condry was a man. And of course, Dennis didn't last with them because he and, uh, the Crockett's didn't see eye to eye on payoffs. And I, and I really think that, uh, I don't know what the true story is, but I really think it have to, had to do with, uh, uh, being up on the scaffold. Really? Yeah. I remember I talked to Dennis about it. I said, uh, God, you guys are going to be up on that scaffold. It's so dangerous. You, you, you're certainly going to have to get a, a good payoff. He said, Oh, we're going to have to get a good payoff or not, they're not going to see my ass around here any longer. So I don't know what the payoff was. It probably wasn't what Dennis wanted, uh, and uh, Dennis eventually moved on. I don't know really when he left the Midnight Express, uh, but it wasn't too long after this. 
And when he left, he just fucking left. I mean, nobody yes, even he did. knew he was gone or where he was going or when he's coming back or, I mean, it was a crazy, crazy, crazy deal. Um, I guess it's worth mentioning that he leaves in early 87, just literally okay. overnight, no notice or anything. He briefly pops up in uh, the AWA in 87 and then has a, a return here in 88, 89 and then did a, a few things for continental in 89 and 90. And, and that's pretty much it where yeah, probably like March, April, 90, somewhere in there. He's like, yeah, I'm out of here. Yeah. See that coincides with that coincides with early 1987 coincides with Starcade, night of the skywalkers Thanksgiving, the end of 1986. Yeah. So he gets a shitty payoff. He probably grumbles about it, and he Crockett cannot come eye to eye, and he's gone. He just walks out. Because, listen, I agree with him. You know, uh, and, and I know wrestlers these days with hardcore stuff, they're asked to do a lot of shit. But climbing up on that scaffold, that scaffold was way up in the fucking air. Let, let me tell you I'm, somebody who would have no problem with it today. Joey Janela. <laughs> Joey Janela, probably not. Joey Janela would jump the fuck off of that scaffold like tomorrow. Yeah. And, uh, he, yeah, he probably would because he is bad boy, Joey Janela. Uh, and another one would probably jump off of it would be Sammy Callahan as crazy as he is too. J- Sammy Callahan some- would swing a bat full fucking speed at Joey Janela and knock him off of said scaffold. And they would fall through flaming tables covered in barbed wire and gasoline and thumbtacks. <laughs> And then somebody would schoolboy the other one, and it would be huge business. I'm not shitting he's on those a, guys, by the way. I'm a fan of both of them. I watch them every week on MLW. I literally just watch them tear it up on BN Sports. But I'm just saying, we look back at this 1986 stuff, and we're like, and then the goddamn scaffold. I'm like, fucking Janela would do like a 630 <laughs> off of that. He don't care. Like, the business has changed. You know what I mean? Yeah. Dennis Conscious is like, fuck my whole wrestling career. You made me climb up here. Meanwhile, Janelle's <laughs> like, I'm going to set myself on fire and do a fucking 630 <laughs> off of it. And I'm going to make my booking tomorrow. Oh, God. Yeah. Another one of those crazy motherfuckers, of course, is Jimmy Havoc. Uh, and I, 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 and of course, uh, to me, the craziest one of them uh, is uh, Darby Allen, who is. Uh, who's hurt himself doing this crazy stuff and had to take a few months off. Uh, but I tell all these kids now, Conrad, and I know all of our, our listeners out there probably watch MLW or maybe watch some stuff on YouTube, some hardcore stuff. I tell all these kids, I said, your career is not going to last long. It's not. You have to slow down. And of course, you know, that happened uh, to Daniel Bryan and now he's back and, He's still doing those crazy bumps. It does. It's it's just the wear and tear on the body that would that for these guys like the Midnight Express was incredible back then. What do you think it is now? You know, I, I love Joey Janela. I love Darby Allen. I literally love Sammy Callahan. Those guys. But Jesus Christ, man, let me tell you, this is the highlight of the whole show. Tony, I can't wait to hear what you got to say about this. Okay, uh, here's Ricky Morton and Robert Gibson, and now we're going to talk about the Rock and Roll Express Super Summer Sizzler Tour, and we're going to have three parts to the Rock and Roll Express Super Summer Sizzler Tour. As a matter of fact, I thought this was very cool that I would be talking this entire promo. 
We're going to have the Rock and Roll Express Lookalike Contest. And remember, boys and girls ages 5 to 13 dress up like the Rock and Roll Express. And guess what? You can walk to the ring with Ricky and Robert, the Rock and Roll Express, during this Super Summer Sizzler Tour. (laughs) But that's not all. We are also going to have the Rock and Roll Express Super Summer Sizzler Tour, and we're going to decide on a Miss Rock and Roll Express. And we're going to have Miss Rock and Roll Express with her, are you ready for this, Conrad? Yep. With her court and her parents as chaperones get on a bus and go all around the southeast. I'm going to be there. Jimmy the Boogie Woogie Man Valiant is going to be on the bus because he doesn't want to pay trans to go to the towns. Doug Dillinger is going to be there to make sure everything's on the up and up. We want all these young girls, along with their parents or their guardians, to send a photograph. you got to be up to 14, 17 years of age to Miss Rock and Roll Express Contest, P.O. Box 11390, Charlotte 28220. Here's the rub for all this, guys. Who do you think is going to have to go through all these pictures? Who do you think is going to have to decide on all these girls? Do you think it's Ricky and Robert? Fuck, no, they're stars. It's going to be me. I have to pour all, all, over all these letters from all these girls and pick out about seven girls who are going to be on the bus with us. Now, remember, all these girls are underage, and that's why we have Doug Dellinger with us. And that's also why they have me with us. One of the girls is going to be crowned. Miss Rock and Roll Express. Uh, But now, here's the one that Ricky and Robert can't wait to hear about because it's for girls 18 and over. You're going to have a dream date (laughs) with Ricky and Robert. Ricky could barely contain the smile here. (laughs) The Rock and Roll Express dream date contest for ladies 18 years of age and older. You're going to go to New York. You're going to go see, and I remember all this vividly. You're going to go see Cats the musical, and then you're going to go eat at a place after the show, or actually before the show, you're going to eat at a place that's uh, has all been picked out by the help of Bill Apter, who went up there and helped them, was a kind of a chaperone. But you're going to be picked up in a limousine, uh, and now that you're 18 years of age and older, and in that limousine, Ricky and Robert are probably going to hit on you, but that's what a dream date with the Rock and Roll Express is all about. Uh, and, uh, that was quite a time. And yes, I did go through all those pictures, Conrad, and I, picked out the, the seven girls. I and I don't know what to say I, here. I'm just going to be quiet. Okay, I'm a layout. Okay, hang on. Okay. And I still stay in touch with one of them to this day. No, you don't. Yes, I do. Uh, tell the truth. Is this how you met Lois? <laughs> no, she was trying to get yeah. to Ricky Morton and she <laughs> fell for a slap dick. She thought she had Robert Gibson's uh, gimmick, and instead she yeah. got a, a button on a fur coat. Yeah. So, like, no. I, I can just the, imagine, the, like, listen, when he unzipped, it would be like, <laughs> but when you did, it's like the whole Price is Right thing when you fail yeah. at Plunko. Right? It's got to be what it was. Uh, I got to get that sound. I don't know why, but they they go, um, for information, call from nine to five Eastern daylight time. Yeah. 
That's right. We go home at five o'clock. Not a.m. p.m. Daylight time. I don't know why. Listen, I do stay in touch with one of those girls. And what do you say to her? I say she's married now with children. Uh, She lives in the uh, she's from Ohio. Uh, She lives in the Columbus area. I've gotten her tickets uh, to see uh, us play baseball against the Columbus Clippers. She and her mom were just just genuinely sweet people. Her mom? Did you did you make? I mean, how do you keep up with this girl on Chatterbait? <laughs> Chatterbait. Are you are, are you in the loop on Chatterbait? <laughs> no. Stop. Throw don't it. go. Don't go any further. Throw don't go any machine. further. Okay. Don't go, motherfucker. Don't go any further on this show with that. Okay. Stop. All right. Anyway, you can tell me afterwards. There. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, her mom was on the tour. They would. Uh, these girls oh. would come with her mom. Really? Yes. We, we, you, you have. To, I don't think any dads arrived. I think it was all moms and their girls. And they were on this tour with us, and they were the chaperones. You couldn't put a bunch of 17-year-old girls on a bus with Ricky and Robert. I mean, you could, but you shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> Line of the day. Roll the fucking credits. Okay. You. I mean, look. There had to be a little bit of decorum here because that was their age group. That's the girls that liked them, the young preteen girls, so to speak. And uh, all the girls were just as nice and sweet. And, of course, they love Ricky and Robert. And I'm going to I'm going to say this for sure. I had a blast. I had a great time. It was worth it. We sold out everywhere. And, of course, we didn't go to, you know, the big venues, uh, but we sold out everywhere, including – the very last one on a Sunday was in Asheville, North Carolina, and uh, we crowned Miss Rock and Roll Express. I talked to Ricky and Robert that day. I said, okay, which one of these girls, which one of these girls are you going to crown Miss Rock and Roll Express? And they said, uh, I don't care. I said, well, you got to make a decision here. No, you make a decision. I'm not going to make a fucking decision. You make the decision. No, no, you make the decision. So I took the names, I put them in a hat, and I said, here, draw. No, you draw. I said, you motherfuckers. So I drew out of the hat, and this one girl, I think she was from Elberton, Georgia, won. And uh, uh, I concocted this big letter from Ricky Morton that I read on stage that day about how much they had a great time and all that shit and we crowned her, gave her flowers and a sash and a tiara. And uh, so I was the brains behind the Rock and Roll Express Super Summer Sizzler Tour. It was Dusty's idea, but I made it fucking happen. Me. How about old Boogie Woogie out here? He's got uh, some hair samplings from Shaska. Yeah. Blows mm-hmm. it out of his hand. And he's cutting a promo here all about yeah. Pistol Pez Watley and Paul Jones. This is good old school stuff. Yeah, he was a great promo, man. People were into his shit. And he was uh, he was before his time in this because his song that we used back then, and they can't use it here, right? and they could use it moving forward, was Manhattan Transfer, The Boy from New York City. And that song started out. When those, when those bars of music would hit, in the arena, people would go fucking nuts. 
Yeah. And it was before its time, you know, uh, as we went on with Vince McMahon, when the music would hit, the fans would cheer, you know, uh, and react to the music. But his music had people reacting. Now, here comes the James gang, the James boys. And uh, this, of course, was an extension of the Midnight Rider angle that Dusty had done in uh, in Florida. And everybody said, when Dusty does the Midnight Rider angle, you know uh, he's desperate. Can I ask but you? this was pretty cool. I, I want to ask you a question here. All right. I watched this and I'll, I'll tell the truth. I've only seen like two or three segments with the James gang here before. Are they, are they borrowing this from the machines? I feel like Vince McMahon and the WWF had just done the, you know, giant machine, super machine, all the like Hulk machine, like everybody's wearing a mask around this time up there. And now all of a sudden these guys show up here doing this. Does this not feel like, and I know he was the midnight rider first. I'm not disparaging dusty, but the timing here seems curious. Do I have my timeline wrong? Were the machines out first? Uh, no, I think you're right. And, 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 uh, knowing how dusty was, you know, had his ear to the business, he probably said, you know, we can do better than that. Right. But the, the fact is, is that, you know, I always thought it was really cool with dusty with the mask on. Uh, still being Dusty Rhodes, claiming that he's not. Because, Conrad, there were still some fans out there that weren't sure that it was Dusty Rhodes. And those fans <laughs> need to buy a shirt from LoisDrills.com right now. <laughs> there were some fans that says, nah, it's not Dusty. It's a guy who talks like him, but it's not Dusty. They believe that shit, man. God love them. Absolutely. God love it. Uh, I don't know much about this, uh, this Steve Regal, who is not the Steve Regal that we know, right. or the Steven Regal that we know. Uh, and as a matter of fact, when he came out of here, I kind of scratched my head thinking, do I remember this guy or not? But there's no question I remember uh, gorgeous Jimmy Garvin and Precious. Great entrance. Lion. I don't know if uh, if you go to a one of the shows now, one of the autograph signings, one of the conventions, uh, and you see Jimmy Garvin, you're going to go, no. Yeah, I mean he's uh, th- that hair is gone. The signature hair is completely gone. All right. And he's what hair he's got left now is gray. What what a success story though, you know, private private airline pilot now, you know, and I mean he's just he's done really really well for himself working with net jets and. He's one of the success stories in wrestling. He was uh, he was a commercial pilot before that. Check out over there on the corner with the Gucci shirt. Oh, Hall of Famer Teddy Long. Man, a man. I mean, from, and here's from- Rocky King. You know, Rocky was. Uh, I always thought Rocky should have been given a little bit more of a push. Uh, fans, uh, if you go back and watch this and listen to the fans' uh, response, they were kind of into Rocky. Uh, he was a Georgia kid. Uh, he had a pretty good look. Great look. He could do some. He could do some things, and uh, not sure, but I'm sure that uh, that he would probably be very close to having a jump rope with him, if oh. you know what I mean. Oh, I didn't know you were doing a little hog watching back then too. I thought that was <laughs> a relative new thing. No, just you hear things. You don't really watch. You hear things. If you know what I say, man, uh, how, how great was, uh, the package of, of Ronnie Garvin and, oh, by the way, you could clearly see right there. And I know it was, um, at different times they positioned it different ways. Clearly though, the intent was that it was 
some sort of perfume, like an arrogance type thing years before Rick Martell was doing it. But right there, it was very apparent that she was using like a household spray, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, I don't know, like yeah. a glade, like glade. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you know what? What I always thought would have been funny would have been, remember that shit carpet fresh. Yeah. What if she would have like shake, you know, shook a bunch of like carpet fresh out on the mat, on the uh, mat. And every time somebody takes a bump, it goes everywhere. That'd be hilarious. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, Mr. Promoter. No. Oh yeah. No, I'll tell you this though. If I, if I was doing that, I would have the carpet fresh on top of a flaming scaffold and I'd put Joey Janela up there. <laughs> He's the bad boy. Ignite the can. Do you know that Joey uh, Janela, and I don't think a lot of people know this, he was one of the uh, Black Scorpions back in uh, WCW. No, really? Yeah. He's older than he looks. How old do you think Joey is? Oh, I thought Joey was in his uh, late 20s. No, Joey's 48 years old. No. Yeah. He's like, he's like, gotta- he's like Benjamin Button or whatever. I kind of talked to him about that. Hey, the, the, the f- I'm just kidding. Somebody yeah, put him just, on there and, in, in Wikipedia. And I knew that it was a misprint with someone. We covered the black scorpion. I just did it anyway. I knew somebody was just trolling the page, but I just did it anyway. As a shout out to the bad boy. And by the way, have you seen his show spring break? No, I got to get you a version of that. That may be something we have to watch on Patreon. Okay. We'll do that. There's a match on there uh, with the invisible man. <laughs> <laughs> i'm being serious <laughs> oh god and of course people believe it well they believe dusty Rhodes wasn't really the midnight rider too right some things never change by the way oh. the midnight rider gimmick you know the whole mask and the jacket and the onesie and all that i know where that wound up yeah at the conradison yes sir I guess for our patrons who have the low-key big hog level, they may be able to see that one day. Oh, for sure. Yeah. we got to figure out when we're going to do our big uh, Huntsville get-together for our low-key big hogs. Wow. Absolutely, we do. And that, that is going to be a fun weekend. Uh, you know, uh, I really liked, and this was, don't, don't get any sexual any windows into this. Well, here we go. I really liked Patty. Precious. Oh, everybody does. Yeah, she was uh she was she was very, very good. She had a she had that voice that when, you know, kind of a whiny cut through voice. And we've you know, we've talked about that angle with Kevin Sullivan. But uh, you know, she she really didn't care that much about the business. She cared about Jimmy, she cared about, you know, trying to make money for the family. Uh she walked away from the business, became a mom and uh uh, they are still married, and she's just uh, she was a wonderful person. Had a lot of time for her. Really had a lot of time for her. Nobody ever says anything bad about her, you know. No, they they shouldn't. She was she was a she's a fine lady, and I I don't blame her for leaving the business. Get out when you can. She had big boobs. Hmm. Um. I don't know how that's relevant, and, but cool. I don't either. I mean, you can either do or you don't, I guess. Here's what I like. You're like, don't take the sexual fast forward 30 seconds. She had big boobs. (laughs) Fuck. We've got got to get you out more. One of the things we need to offer on Patreon 
is your first visit to uh, a strip club. <laughs> I'm getting your ass at the shoot to the shoe show. I managed to get Bruce Pritchard to the shoe show twice in our friendship. I can get you there once. I've been to a strip club before. Yeah. The year was 1978. I went to a strip club years ago and, uh, Missy Hyatt was in there uh, along with what? her friend. What was she doing? Yeah. Was she getting strange for she some heard- change. No, she was just in there hanging out. We were all having a drink and, uh, let's see who else was there. Barry Wyndham was there. Well, you know, Eric Bischoff Michael- was there. Uh, no, this was before then. This was, uh, this is probably before Bischoff. This was not the gold club. Uh, this was cheetah and Missy made out with her friend. Oh, well, and her friend's name was like Sarah or something like that, or June. It turns out the cheetah is still a place in Atlanta. Hmm. I didn't realize. I that. know it is. Yeah. <laughs> I love you. I, I know it is. I, I got my own table. It's not. They that's know, not too far from the radio station where I work in Atlanta. They know. So when, I know it is. They know Wednesday is for Shavanto. <laughs> what happened when Tony blew oh, his Patreon money at the Cheetah? We ought to have a, we ought to have for our, our, we ought to have for some of our Patreons in a higher level, go have a, have a, uh, a, uh, let's see a, uh, Tommy young night at the cheetah. I don't even want to suggest what might happen there. <laughs> Golly. You got a big smile on your face on that one. <laughs> I, don't, Cause I don't know what to say. Like, ah, I'm, I'm glad this episode's over and we can wind her down. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, the credits are rolling. Jim Crockett, Virgil Reynolds, lots of names that we recognize here, boy. Yeah. Dwayne Daniel. Wayne was a hardworking son of a bitch, but Phil Dickey God. sounds like he works the door at the cheetah. <laughs> Wayne Daniel used to be the guy that rolled in all the tapes, shot all the footage. You know, we didn't do anything. We every, did everything live to tape. So Wayne was always in the back and, and was rolling that tape. Had a cigarette in the side of his mouth and was rolling tape, man. God bless the eighties. I guess we should, um, tell everybody what's coming up next week. If you'd like to keep up with us, uh, please do clash of the champions Two Miami mayhem. It goes down on June 8th, 1988. So we'll be right around that 30 year anniversary mark. That's what's coming up next week on what happened when, and don't forget if you haven't already, at least check us out on Patreon patreon.com forward slash whw monday eventually we're going to get tony to the uh cheetah but right now you can see him watch the enzo rap video which sounds like a lot of fun we're also going to be having a bonus episode coming to you soon i think we might actually reach out to joey and figure out is there a way we could cover spring break because i think you watching spring break would be fun i know um one of the bonus shows I want to do sooner rather than later is to make you watch ECW's one night stand from 2005. It's my favorite live show experience ever. And I think you would be into it since you haven't seen a lot of that. I think it would be fun. Maybe a little CZW king of the death match or something like that. Um, and then you maybe think Fran- you think Francine's husband would let her watch it with me sitting on my lap. I mean, could he be in the room? Well, if he needs to be, yeah, I'm, I'm, he'd I'm, probably- har- I'm, Listen, I'm harmless, man. No, yeah. I mean, I guess if you if you showed him the button first, he'd be like, oh, we're good. 
And so you're very non-threatening, Mr. Shavanto. Have at it. Right. I won't even know you were there. <laughs> what? Won't even know you were there. Yeah, not minimal. It, minimal. You talk about no, you were there in the room. No, that's not what you're talking about. Oh, oh, okay. Okay. Well, you know, you just said earlier. I mean, from your own wife's testimony, Tony slept through the birth. I slept through conception. Yes. So. Well, listen, uh, coming up, let's go ahead and give you the schedule here next week. Clash of the champions Two, Miami mayhem. The week after that, June 13th, 1987, another episode of what we just saw NWA world championship wrestling. And then our last episode of June, unless you're on Patreon, you're going to get a couple of bonuses is the June 25th, 1988 NWA world championship wrestling. I feel like we should mention we did sell out of the glass, uh, not glass bottom boat ride, but the low key big hogs. We sold out of that very quickly. Lots of people are wanting to know, are you going to add more of that? How can we get more of that? We might at some point, And if we do, we will offer it to everyone who is a glass bottom boat rider. First, uh, there's a limited number of those as well. I don't think we have, but like 20 something left. And once they're gone, they're gone. I can't add any more at that level. Uh, but I do think it's worth mentioning that the hot tag express is still going to get you the bonus show. So check out Patreon, kick it around, consider it. If you're into it, no big deal. If you're not, you should also check out lowestrules.com and maybe one of our hottest shirts we've ever done is at box We've got that podcast row shirt over there uh, that everybody's talking about. You can even get just in time for summer, a low key, big hog koozie and a beach towel, which everybody needs. Anything else we need to hit for you today, Tony? Uh, no, I just do want to say that uh, uh, moving forward, uh, the Clash 2 was Miami Mayhem. It was at the Knight Center, which was a theater that was in the Marriott downtown. I guess it's still there in Miami. Uh, I remember that. And I also remember that Miami had some of the best female fans of any town we ever went to. Yeah, well, I don't know what to say here. Um, well, they just—they were just—they were good fans. They were good fans. One of them's name was Peanut. The other ones was—I uh, can't remember the other one's name. Uh, one wore a red dress and sang "Lady in Red." What was her name? I don't know. Just great memories. I love the fans, you know, I love the fans. Tony, you're having a moment. I, I look down and I, I think it's, I think it's about this time. Yeah. I look down too. And I see that there is still a button on a fur coat. Oh, I don't know what we're doing right now. Okay. <laughs> yes. It's the end of the road here for WHW, which of course drops on Wednesdays now. And it's time for our tag team main event. It is Dave Silva, Conrad Thompson against Joey Janela. And the Invisible Man. As Joey Janela and the Invisible Man come to the ring and through the ropes, the Invisible Man attacks, attacks Conrad Thompson. He pulls down Conrad Thompson's tights. My God, look at that low-key big hog that Conrad Thompson has. He rolls him up. Silva drops on top. I don't know what Silva's doing. He's going after a burrito, apparently. We're out of time. We'll see you next week on What Happened When. Oh, this is old commentary ninja saying promotional consideration paid for by the following. You know, for seven, eight, nine years, Dusty Rose, the American Dream, 
and Ole Anderson done battled throughout this country. It's always been a way with Ole Anderson and Dusty Rhodes to cripple Maine or hurt somebody. The American dream seems to be something that he don't want to believe in. He's stuck in this redneck attitude about the way the country should be, about what should happen. You know, whether you're black, white, green, yellow, it has never mattered to the American dream. And he has always went on television and said, I believe one way, he believes the other. He's a bigamist. He's bigger than life. He's a redneck. He is nothing more than Ole Anderson. He laid up in Wisconsin with a broken leg, feeling sorry for himself. Now, once again, he comes, tries to tear my ear off and get into my personal, you understand? Now, when you play the dozens with Dusty Rose through the years, you know that something got to happen. He said, Dusty Rose, this is me and you. This is the end. All you skeptics in television land, all you people that are interested in watching the comedies on Saturday morning and think it's wrestling, got to get on this right here. This is the real deal. This is the American Dream, Dusty Rose. This is my livelihood. This is the way I make my living. Day in, day out. And for every skeptic, for every lawyer that think he's a halfway fan, there are 20 million people daily that love professional wrestling, that love Dusty Rose, the American Dream, and believe the way I do. You think only Anna for one minute, I'm going to go and tell this guy over here, this little bit of kid, no matter what color he is, that there's not a real American dream out there, that you can't reach out in life and be the best you can and go through this life like Dusty Rose living on the end of a lightning bolt, nurturing wounds, and offering up my innocence. And every time I do what you do, you pay me back in scone. Well, the fans say, come in, dream. I'll give you shelter from the storm. That's what it's all about, Ole. If it's me and you, if this is the end, if it's all over, if it's no mas, no more, then let's go for it. Let's go for it. Leave no stone unturned. Leave no rock not thrown and no glass broken. If this the end, I'm glad it's me and you. Ain't that the way it should be, Hoss? You got it, Jack. World Championship Wrestling. Bringing you great wrestling action. Sanctioned by the NWA. National Wrestling Alliance.